Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, coming to you from Atlanta. Each and every week, we are brought to you by Warner, the official sponsor of the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards and the official ladder of professional contractors everywhere. Warner, the number one pro ladder. Step up your game with Warner Ladder. Go to stepupwithwarner.com to learn more. Well, despite the Christmas holiday coming, no interruption in the college basketball scheduling. There's been some COVID problems, but the games will go on. And let's get right to it as we talk about our citizen what to watch for for this weekend. And coming up on Christmas Day, a Big Ten matchup. And that will match a top 25 affair between Wisconsin and Michigan State in East Lansing. And then over the weekend, Saturday, two huge games. One, of course, is the Kentucky-Louisville game. Now, we all know about the Kentucky problems of late. They've lost five consecutive games. But you always have to mark this one on your schedule. Kentucky and Louisville, we know how the fan bases hate each other. And the teams are ready to go. And you know that Louisville wants to beat Kentucky like Wisconsin beat Louisville last week. It should be quite an affair. And the big game in the country over the weekend is going to be in Fort Worth, Texas, when number one Gonzaga goes up against number 16 Virginia. Now, for our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week, some distressing news for the Pitt Panthers. One of the very best overall rebounders and scorers in college basketball has gone down with a knee injury. Justin Champagny, he's going to miss six to eight weeks with an injury that he suffered over the last weekend in practice. Champagny put together two games earlier this season. He had back-to-back 20-point, 20-rebound games. Remarkable. First time that's ever been done in Pitt history, and they've had some great rebounders over the years. But uh, a sad note is Justin Champagny is lost to injury. But great news from Gainesville as Florida star Keontae Johnson was released from the hospital. What a great Christmas present that was. He said on a statement on Tuesday, this is the young man that collapsed in the huddle when Florida played at Florida State over a week ago. But he has made it out of the hospital and uh, still will be resting at home. But that is good news as he continues his recovery. My guest this week, John Crispin of ESPN. We'll talk about all things college basketball and COVID when we come back right after this from Jersey Mike's. Good things come to those who wait. At Jersey Mike's, they also come to those who don't. Download our app, order ahead, and skip the line. Cut to the Chase by Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. It is a pleasure to have with us the pride of Pittman, New Jersey. John Crispin is on the line with us, the ESPN Westwood One and Sirius XM commentator and former Hooper. Big fella, how are you doing? Uh, I am good. I'm happy to be considered the pride of Pittman, New Jersey, when, when truthfully I'll take the pride of 35 Jefferson in Pittman, New Jersey. So, uh, Pride of Pittman feels really good. Well, we want to talk about so many different things, but first and foremost, how are you? How's the family? How's everybody doing in this? You know, first and foremost, it's been good to have work. I think that's what a lot of people's stresses uh, re- revolve around this time of year, you know, coming into the holiday season. Uh, the fact that we have work is is a great piece. It's a great blessing. And the family's good. The family's healthy. I think you know, the, the protocols we have on us as broadcasters to be able to work helps us stay safe and healthy. And for that, I've been grateful just 
for the opportunity to call basketball games yet again and hopefully get through a full season. You know, it was still strange not having a, a, a finish to the season last year, and I think that we all remember that time very well. Uh, we remember March 12th like it was yesterday, and, and I hope that perspective allows us to do the things necessary to get through this year. You know, we'll talk about the broadcasting in a second. I, I wanted to ask you at the top, it seems like one of the great stories that is unfolding in college basketball is not too far from you. Up in Piscataway, New Jersey, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and Ron Harper Jr. Wow, a big comeback Sunday against Illinois to win their Big Ten opener. This is amazing. What's the story in your eyes with Rutgers? Well, it's it's a story that's been brewing ever since Steve Peichel took the job. And I think a lot of people were apprehensive about the job itself, to just saying, you know, can you really build a winner there? Can you really compete in the Big Ten, which uh, this year, and really most years, it's up there in terms of being the best conference in the country. Right now, I don't think there's anyone that comes close in terms of the depth, and the depth is not just top to bottom. It's It's, it's bottom to top in terms of how strong that conference is. So many people talked about whether this is really a job where you can win, whether Rutgers should even be in the Big Ten. Well, I think they're thinking differently right now because he focused on getting kids that wanted to be there, kids that came in with a chip on their shoulder, something to prove, maybe kids that were overlooked by a lot of other Power Five schools. And you realize that there's a ton of talent in the country. Uh, As hard as it is to recruit, there's a ton of talent out there. It's whether you can get the talent to play at a level that can compete at the highest level in in our college basketball sport. And he's done just that. He's got great pieces. He's got size. He's got guards. But first and foremost, he has guys that, A, want to be there, and, B, guys that have something to prove. It's been remarkable to watch. He's gotten high-level transfers in terms of Jacob Young. He's got really big-time players that maybe didn't start off that way, and I think that's part of the thing is we get so focused on that. Like, is he a five-star kid? Is he a four-star kid? Steve Peichel never worried about that. Does this kid fit? Does he want to be here? Does he have something to prove? Because if so, they can do something special. And you're seeing it all come together, like fruits of their labor coming together. New facilities have come together. And now all of a sudden, Rutgers is a program that people around the country are talking about, and for good reason. Well, it's been amazing. I mean, Steve has had great success. You go back to the Stony Brook days, et cetera. I mean, this guy is really something special, and I'm happy for him. He's a good guy, and, and they're winning games, and it's great. Absolutely. Look, I think that's the the first thing. When you look at a job like that, it's got to be someone that you really like, a good person. Uh, A good person builds a good program. A great coach can build a good team, but a good person builds a great program. And what Steve Peichel's doing, he's not just fixing the program for right now. He's making the program better for two decades from now because he's changed the foundation. He's built a strong foundation, something that anybody can come in and capitalize on. And for that, I think Rutgers faithful will forever be grateful. You know, I was just thinking, John, um, I mean, the last time I remember Rutgers having a team like this might have been when Tom Young took the unbeaten team to the Final Four. Yeah, you start to think about it. You go back and you go, well, they've had some successful teams. Well, define success. You know, maybe finishing the top 25, being an NCAA tournament team, well, it wasn't as a Big Ten team. And I think that's what's most remarkable is you're recruiting kids to play in the Big Ten. It's, it's a different beast. You know, you're recruiting kids that are going to have to play in the Midwest, to play the likes of Michigan State and Michigan and Indiana and Illinois and Iowa. I mean, really unique programs. 
and he's been able to do it at a high, high level. And I hope uh, you, when you look at Gonzaga and then you come all the way across the country and you look at Rutgers and you go, they're building in a similar way. They're not trying to compete with the likes of Duke and North Carolina in terms of getting those five-star kids. That's not what Gonzaga did, and it's not what Rutgers is doing. You're building a program that changes the perception uh, from, you know, from the outside looking in. And all of a sudden, you know, the outside looking in goes, well, that's a pretty nice program. They run a, good, they, they run a lot of good stuff on the basketball side of things, but also the things off the court, the way they travel, the way they live, the way they share time together as a team with new facilities – it's all that of a top-notch program. So you, you got to wonder, is, is this just the beginning? And, and I sure hope so, because I really like Steve Bike. How many games have you done so far? How many in person and how many in the home studio? Well, I got very lucky. I started off in Bubbleville up there at Mohegan Sun, and I had 12 games in a matter of eight days. And the people that ran the, the Bubbleville tournament, uh, were just terrific in terms of having a team drop out due to, you know, one or two players or, you know, close contact to COVID not being able to make the trip. They were able to find replacement teams to fill a game that was happening within two days. So we got very lucky in terms of being able to get all our games in. We only missed one game and it was the last game of the event. That would have been Saturday. Uh, I believe it was December 5th. We missed one game. So, you know, God bless the people that put that all together because it allowed me to be on site, to be face to face, even though at a, at, a, at a healthy distance from coaches, to see the dynamics of different players, the, the dynamics of different teams. So those are the things that we miss greatly when we are calling games from home. And I, I have done two. I've done two games from home. Uh, it's, it's interesting, but at some point, I think we just face reality and we make the best of it. Uh, I tend to get there sooner than, than others, and maybe it's because I haven't been around as long as some of the other guys in this industry where it is tough when you're not on site. But the fact that we have college basketball games and the fact that people want to watch them, uh, my hope is to serve it well. So regardless of whether I'm calling it from my office or calling it from the, the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill, uh, I'm going to bring the same level of energy because I'm just darn excited that we have college basketball. Amen. Uh Tell us the best teams and players you saw when you were in Connecticut. You know, it's it's really an interesting one because there's a part of me that struggles to even remember when you have so many different teams. I, I'd say that the best team I saw, without a doubt, was Villanova. Right. Uh, and I had them in the game where they lost against Virginia Tech. And you'd think in that moment that Virginia Tech was the best team, but, but it was not the case. It, Villanova is by far the best team. To me, they're still a Final Four caliber team. They just didn't play their best basketball that day, and, and you see that quite often. It's just kind of how it goes. Um, I, I would say some of the other teams that were up there, I, I got to see NC State. I got to see Boston College. I got to see St. John's, a lot of St. John's, even UConn, uh, with, with Danny Hurley starting to turn things around. So you saw programs that were in a positive state of flux. Uh, I think with Kevin Keats and North Carolina State, the state of flux is are guys really grasping the style of play? Because if they grasp the style of play early, meaning they're freshmen now becoming sophomores, sophomores becoming juniors, and having that familiarity with the system, the style, that's when you start to see that consistency rise, right? We think about the consistency of a Villanova. We know where that comes from. It comes from the culture and Jay Wright and this focus on fundamentals and playing a simple, basic, yet somewhat complicated style of, of play. And, and so to see these teams grow a little bit, to see one of the best teams in the country in Villanova play and even struggle, uh, what it does for me is, because, you know, we don't have a dog in the fight, 
what it does for me is it gets me excited about the, the parity that we have in college basketball, where you see a high-level Boston College team that, frankly, could beat anybody on any given night. Virginia Tech could beat anybody on any given night. NC State, same thing. UConn could beat anyone on any given night. Even USC looked terrific when I had them. Uh, it's fun to see all these different teams, the different skill sets that they have, the different styles that they play with, and you start to see how some teams are meant to play in March because they're a tough matchup, like a B tough matchup, but may struggle at times throughout the course of the season because it's all about finding it. And I think that's the best thing about college basketball, right, is that it's not about having it found. It's about finding it along the way. And so long as you find it within time, you're going to do all right. No doubt. And I think I share with you the admiration we have for the players uh, who uh, going through this. Uh, we're coming up on the holidays. And, you know, most teams that, I, that I've read about are keeping the kids on campus for Christmas. Some are getting to go home. Some are having families come in. But for the most part, a lot of these guys, John, have been on campus since June, July, you know, to to have the chance to to compete and play college basketball. And my hat goes off to them. I, this is uh, amazing to me what they've been able to do. I think back, and I know you do too, when we were that age, uh, to have to go through something like this, uh, our congratulations to them. They're, they're really special young men and women. Oh, absolutely. I mean, without a doubt, the fact that you wake up as, as a college kid and you get tested just to be able to play that day or perform that day. I mean, the amount of testing that they're going through has been remarkable. And, and then you add on everything else that they have to deal with, including schoolwork, which looks a lot different because so much of it's virtual. Uh, yes, we think, oh, well, it should be easier. They can do it on their own time. Well, we actually function better with a schedule with class that you go to, with practice that's set at a certain time. Well, schedules are kind of out the window these days. And I think that's been a great challenge, and it's really shown the adaptability of young kids. But I think it also proves the value of college sports. You know, we live in, a, in, in an era, a, a time, and an age where it's all about, you know, are these kids getting enough? When the reality is they are. And the opportunity they have is realized when, when they do all these things necessary to be able to play, when they, you know, they take on the challenge of, of being tested every day and staying healthy and, and avoiding the college experience to be able to play basketball. I think you're seeing the value in terms of the exposure, in terms of the ability to improve week in, week out, day in, day out. You're seeing the real value in college basketball almost through the things that these kids have to do and through the things that these kids sacrifice to be able to play. So all in all, I've been very impressed uh, with, with the kids, with the support staff surrounding these kids, being able to adapt and adjust to be able to make this thing happen. But I also think it does. I think it says a lot about the real value of college basketball, not only to us as fans and as broadcasters, but ultimately as, as, to, as players. Uh, who have an opportunity to play this game at the highest level and maybe beyond. You know, it's it's interesting, too, you know, what some kids are going through that you don't hear about. I mean, I look at the Big East, and here is St. John's, who has played already four conference games. Conference games, not to mention their half a dozen non-conference games. And then you got another team in the same conference, DePaul, which hasn't played a game yet. And I, you know, I just want, how in the world are we going to straighten all this out? But we'll find a way, I'm sure. Well, the, well, DePaul can say they don't have any losses. So there's at least that. <laughs> now, the challenge is they haven't been tested. They have no idea who they are. Uh, 
And yes, they've, they've got some playmakers, but ultimately it's about rhythm in this season. And it's important. I mean, look, St. John's has been a fun team to watch. I've, I've watched, I had them uh, obviously at, at Bubbleville and Mohegan Sun and, they get up and down the floor. They're so disruptive with the way they play. And part of that disruption will challenge a team like DePaul, who hasn't gotten a chance to figure out who they are this season. And it's not like college basketball is a lot different than the pros in the sense that pros can show up. And I did this overseas. My brother did this overseas where you show up and you're playing with a completely different new group with a coach that may not even speak English. So you figure out, who each other is pretty quickly in, in, in order to be able to win. And, and over there, it's in order to be able to be paid because if you don't win, you just don't get paid. So I think this year is going to be unique in the sense that we don't have as much time to figure out all the nuances of a team, but you've got to figure out a way to compete. And, and it's a challenge without a doubt, especially these teams that haven't got a chance to get out there and play games and get into the rhythm of the season. But there's also an argument to be made where if you get off to a hot start and you run it all the way through the season, you could have a terrific season, even if it's just a conference season, by eliminating some of those non-conference games where you're traveling and maybe losing confidence along the way. What's your take on Seton Hall? Seton Hall is an interesting one. I, I feel like the key is, is always going to be playing through and around Sandro Mamukalishvili. I mean, he is a fantastic big. But he can do a lot more, particularly around the perimeter. He's a guy that needs space. But when you think about what they lost last year in terms of Miles Powell, I mean, here's a guy who's going to shoot 20-plus times a game and the ball's going to go through him. It's going to take time for Seton Hall to figure out who they are without Miles Powell in terms of who, this, who, you know, who your spacers are going to be, who your playmakers are going to be. How do we play through a big, even if that means playing through a big around the perimeter? I think those are the things, those are adjustments you have to make, but it's hard to make those adjustments going into the season. You just learn about your team as you go. So so to me, Seton Hall is a team that's going to be a lot better in February, March than they are in November and December. Uh, And I think we're starting to see that come together. It's just going to take some time. Are you and your brother still doing the shooting camps? My brother does. I'll tell you, he's coaching. He's a Division III head coach here at Rowan University. He's always wanted to coach. Uh, and he has really taken over what, what's become Crispin basketball in, in the South Jersey area and even up at State College in Pennsylvania. Uh, he's he's taken it from camps, clinics, shooting clinics, you know, you know, individual coaching to now leagues, tournaments, AAU groups, uh, done the right way. No big swag bags are being handed out by Crispin basketball. There's no big shoe contract. It really is just a focus on the game and allowing kids to enjoy the game. And, and part of enjoying the game is helping them get better. I always tell kids, I said, you know what? What's fun about basketball? Scoring baskets. Well, what do you need to do to score baskets? Well, you need to be able to handle the ball. You need to be able to shoot. You need to be able to get enough space to get a shot off. So there's all those little things that we focus on, and you see kids start to enjoy the game a little bit more. And I don't know if there's anything more gratifying than seeing a kid come into a camp who doesn't really know how to play and walk out feeling confident on the basketball court. Doesn't mean the kid's going to be a Division One, you know, superstar, but the kid's going to have a great time playing the game. And ultimately, when I think of my time as a player, that's what I think of most. I think of my time as a player enjoying getting to play. I think of my time as, as a professional. I don't think of the times when we were thriving. I think of the times when we were struggling, and I go, I'm playing basketball for a living. Does it get any better than this? And it's that perspective that I hope that we, we give some of these kids to say, hey, guys, this is a great sport. You're going to be able to play this sport for a lot longer than you'll ever be able to play football. 
and I hope you're able to enjoy it as long as possible. Even if it's a men's league, even if it's a YMCA, getting better allows you to enjoy it. It's a great game, and, I, and it is a special thing to be able to do when, when I'm around a lot because of broadcasting. The love of the game, my friend, says it all. Thank you. This has been awesome. We appreciate you and what you do for Naismith and what you do for the game. And we'll uh, we'll be tuned in. We never know when we're going to see you pop up, but we enjoy it when you do. So thanks. Well, this this year in particular, you never know where we'll be, but uh, hopefully the schedule comes together. I, I will say, look, I have the joy of being able to serve the game of basketball, and it's a game that served my family very well. So so I'm grateful for that. Well said, John. Thanks. That will do it for this week. The college beat goes on, so stay with us each and every week. For our Trophy Life podcast, we bring you the latest great guests. Make sure you download and listen. And when you do, please leave us a rating. That helps us get the word out even further. So from all of us at the Naismith Trophy, we send our best to you and your family at this holiday season. If you're traveling, by all means, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you back here next week. From Atlanta, Bob Rathman saying so long.